Hello, I'm John Rossi, a touring drummer with a love of all things animal. When I'm on the road, I visit as many zoos, aquariums. Hey, wait a minute. What's going on? Hey, what's going on there? Hello? Hello? We interrupt your regularly scheduled program to bring you Rossafari Zoo News. News you can use from the world of zoos and conservation. Every week, we bring you breaking news and analysis from around the globe, featuring the animals you love and the people who care for them. And here's your anchorman, John Rossi. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Rossafari Zoo News, your look at everything going on in the world of zoos, aquariums, conservation, and general animal weirdness. Uh, it's It's been a good week, y'all. Um, so for those of you who have been following along on my adventures, uh, I've been, you know, playing Million Dollar Quartet at the Media Theater here in, uh, well, right outside of Philly. It's called the Media Theater because it's in media. And um, it's been it's been a good time. And uh, I have not yet had the opportunity to really get to any zoos or do any exciting podcastal stuff while doing this gig, dot, 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 until this week. Uh, as you heard, I was able to go to Connecticut's Beardsley Zoo and, um, you know, went on Monday and dropped that episode Tuesday at, right at midnight. Uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, you should. Uh, I've actually been getting a lot of feedback on that one. People really liked Greg and liked the immediacy of it, as did I. Uh, so that was fun. And maybe we'll try and do more stuff like that in the future. Then after that, Danny... Courier Larson and I went up to Roger Williams Park Zoo together, and it was such a good time, y'all. Uh, I was actually heading there not for the podcast per se, but to give gifts to a couple of people. You may remember from the Tree Kangaroo episode that I did up there that the keeper was named Mac, and there's also a person who I've gotten to be good friends with up there named Corey, who is their PR person and who helps set up all of the the things. Um, and to thank them for giving me such great access to the tree kangaroos and just being really good friends and people in general, um, they actually also sent me a cool thing. I'm going to be hanging on my wall and stuff. It's, it's a whole thing. Uh, I had these little crochet tree kangaroos made from an artist, an artist who didn't even know what tree kangaroos were when we got started and, and did this amazing job. And now all three of us have those, our little one-of-a-kind tree kangaroo club thing. They are the cutest thing ever. And uh, I was just heading up there to to give them those gifts. But uh, in the process, they they let me go hang out with Paya, the, the tree kangaroo Joey up there, and uh, her mom, K-Wing, who is uh, feisty, very feisty. But I got to spend some time with them and, and got to... Uh, I think the official term would be I got to help train their touch behavior. And by that, I mean, I, I got to give them little pats and, and say hi. Paya actually put her little face in my hand. It was the cutest thing ever. Um, and so, yeah, so now I'm I'm back at the gig and I am wildly recharged uh, from all of that. But that's not even all. So after that, and I think you all will love this story. And if you don't, I don't really care because it's my podcast. Um, Danny knew that NEI was doing the bird shows at uh, Roger Williams this year. Now, that's Natural Encounters, Inc., and you will be hearing from them. Uh, they are a amazing um, kind of training consultation company. They do a lot more than that. They do free flight bird shows and all kinds of stuff. And they are led by a man named Steve Martin. 
Now, we're not talking about the guy from Father of the Bride and the Jerk. Um, Same name, different person. But uh, he is in the training world and kind of in the zoo world in general, pretty much as much of a celebrity and as beloved as that other Steve Martin guy, which is what I refer to the movie star as. Um, And I did an interview with him back when I was in Florida. You'll be hearing it in a couple of weeks. Uh, It was really exciting. It it meant a lot to be invited to their place. And now it turns out that they are um, doing the show at Roger Williams. So uh, Danny obviously is a big fan of NEI and training in general. And um, I have this connection now. So we went and uh, introduced ourselves to Amy, one of the supervisors of NEI, who is in charge of things up at the Roger Williams Bird Show. Show. And uh, it was pretty great. Danny introduced herself and had made a connection uh, through through texting. And um, <laughs> then she turned and was like, "Oh, and this is my friend John." And Amy looked at me and went, "The the the drumming red panda guy." And I mean, yes, that is who I am. That is that is exactly how I see myself. <laughs> and it turned out that Steve really enjoyed doing the interview and um, told everyone about it. And uh, yeah, so I think we're going to have Amy on the pod as well down the road. And um, basically my point is it was an awesome trip. Everyone is wonderful. Zoos are the best. Zoo people are the best. And yay. And actually, Danny and I recorded something while we were up there, not for Rasafari. There's some exciting news coming down the pike uh, that I get to be a, a part of and that I get to help share with y'all. Uh, and I'm looking forward to that. So uh, that's all I'm going to say for now. All right, let's get to it. All right. Our top story this week is a bit of a bummer, and I um, just played a parody of my Sharona. So we're not going to start with our top story. We're going to start with a fluff piece, which is that Zoo America in Hershey has announced that they have opened a brand new remodeled gift shop that has apparel, toys, and more. They've expanded what they are offering at Zoo America. And uh, it's it's just cool to see that they're making their gift shop a bigger thing. And it's even cooler to see that it is officially called Zouvenirs. I really, really like that it's called Zouvenirs. So we can to be in zoo news because pun all right let's move on to a tougher situation to discuss the john ball zoo has announced the death of their male sitatunga chopper on tuesday may 16th chopper was actually very healthy uh, but was slated to be part of a new multi-species habitat featuring pygmy hippos uh the team worked diligently to do um what you call visual introductions, which is when they can't touch each other, but they're still able to see each other and smell each other and get used to the idea of being around each other. All of that went well, so the team moved on to the next phase of the introduction, which was allowing the pygmy hippo uh, into its habitat um, while Chopper was already in there. The hippo did not like this and immediately attacked, killing Chopper. Uh, Animal care staff did try to resuscitate Chopper, but were unsuccessful. 
John Ball Zoo is a wonderful facility with highly trained individuals, and they've done introductions like this multiple times. The truth is, we all love multi-species exhibits, and I believe that they will become more and more common in the future, um, as I think other animals provide great enrichment to just one species, and a lot of species, I mean, obviously, animals, you know, live together in the wild, but... Sometimes these things happen, and uh, in this case, it did. There was nothing that the zoo staff could have done other than not do the multi-species exhibit, but I truly don't think that um, that is a good approach. I think that, you know, in general, when there are species that could work together, you need to give it a shot sometimes if you think the personalities are right and everything, and um, they did their best, and, and unfortunately, it just didn't work out this time. So definitely sending condolences to the John Ball Zoo. I, I feel terrible. I cannot imagine what those keepers are feeling. I guarantee you that they feel guilty, even though I'm sure there's nothing they could have done differently. Uh, animals, man, the unpredictable nature is something that I always like to laugh about and have fun with when it's like, you know, you ask for a behavior and an animal does something different. It's it's hilarious. Or, you know, even just your own animals, you, you look at your dog and you say sit and it just stares at you and you kind of chuckle. But, um... There's also a deeper side to it, a darker side to it sometimes, you know? And uh, yeah, I, I just, oof. Oh, I feel so bad for for these keepers. But uh, this is this is part of, you know, working at and, and loving and understanding zoos. So uh, sending love to the team and, and we will greatly miss Chopper. On a happier note, uh, the Henry Villas Zoo has announced the birth of three critically endangered black and white roughed lemurs. Lemlets. And uh, all are doing very well. Uh, black and white roughed lemurs are only pregnant for three months. So uh, to all of you uh, womb holders in the human species, lol. And congrats to the Henry Villas Zoo. All right. I've got two stories of animals passing this week at zoos um, other than Chopper, both of which I kind of wanted to share a little bit about because I, I have a little bit of a connection to, to both of them. Uh, so first of all, the Greensboro Science Center uh, announced the passing of Eureka, also known as Yuri, their giant anteater who was born in 2000 and made it all the way to 2023. Uh, when I was there doing the episodes that y'all will be hearing soon, um, there was a lot of talk about the fact that Yuri was, you know, entering that phase of life where it was time to start to say goodbye and how challenging it was. And I got to talk to a lot of staff members just about how hard that is and how much you realize it's happening and you're happy to have been able to provide a long life for this animal and, and how beautiful that relationship can be. But it is, it's challenging. You know, we talk a lot about what it feels like when an animal passes and when you know that, um, you know, you've loved this animal and you've given it its best life and, and that, you know, how that feels. But I guess that was the first time I ever really took the time to think about the fact that like these keepers often know that it's coming and, you know, it's, it's very tough, but, uh, also I think rewarding. And, um, there were some really beautiful conversations about it. So, uh, you know, sending love to everyone at Greensboro and, uh, good, goodbye, Yuri. 
I also wanted to comment on uh, the passing of Awundum, a great horned owl who lived at Connecticut's Beardsley Zoo uh, ever since 1998. Um, Awundum was a ambassador animal at the zoo for 25 years, which is incredible. Uh, I was actually at Beardsley uh, and was given <laughs> a chocolate chip cookie because the keeper staff there was sad that the owl had passed and one of the the keepers decided to bake through her sadness and made amazing by the way chocolate chip cookies um and it was just another stark reminder of like life has to go on when when an animal passes even when you're sad and i thought it was so cool to see you know this keeper who had worked with this animal and loved this animal turned her grief into cookies and uh, shared them with the staff and uh, a roving podcaster um, and use them to, you know, not just make people feel better, but also kind of share the memories that uh, she had of the owl. I thought that was a really beautiful thing, and it was very touching to be let inside and able to see that. So sending our love to everyone at Connecticut's Beardsley Zoo. On a happier note, three litters of critically endangered red American wolf pups have been born at an off-site facility that is run by Point Defiance Zoo and Aquarium. That's 12 red wolf pups, wolflets, uh, that are all doing well. And um, they're part of the uh, the big red wolf uh, reintroduction program. So they might be used for breeding stock. They might go out into the wild. Point Defiance pups actually have had pups out in the wild uh, recently. So there, there's lots of good news for red pups here. And three litters is an amazing amount. So uh, congrats to, to Point Defiance Zoo. And we're not actually leaving Point Defiance Zoo news-wise right now uh, because there are so many new exhibits that have have been announced at zoos around the country in the last week. And I find that really amusing since uh, on Tuesday, I brought you an episode about a new exhibit at Beardsley Zoo, and I did not know that Zoo News was going to have a poop ton of other new exhibits to discuss. But here we are. I love it when a plan comes together, even when it wasn't a plan. So yeah, Point Defiance Zoo is getting polar bears. This is really, really cool. Uh, we talk a lot about this on the pod, but in case you don't know this, it's really rare for a new zoo to get polar bears at this point in time. There are laws in the United States that do not allow polar bears to cross our borders, even if they are found injured, even if they are found emaciated, even if a place like Canada has polar bears in a lot of exhibits and has breeding and they have too many bears. There's just this law uh, that is supposed to protect polar bears, but doesn't have the exemptions that a lot of other endangered species get with laws protecting their transport. That makes it very, very hard to get polar bears into new zoos in this country. Polar bear breeding is also very challenging. Only a, a few cubs are born every year, maybe, uh, and they sometimes survive. Um, it's it's very, very tricky. Places like the Buffalo Zoo, uh, where Luna and Sakari have been breeding for years, have had no success, despite the fact that they are wildly wonderful polar bears who get along super well and show breeding behavior and um, are also the favorite animals of my buddy Taylor Gray. Um, that doesn't help with breeding, but now you know that about Taylor. So um, anyway, so it's really exciting whenever a new facility gets uh, polar 
polar bears. And and so Point Defiance has been working with the Detroit Zoo to provide a new home to their two twin polar bear cubs. It's really, really exciting. Uh, they are two years old, so they should have a long, long life at Point Defiance. And um, I'm really looking forward to finally getting out to Point Defiance at some point here and, and seeing these little goobers. Uh, very exciting news. Southwick's Zoo has also announced a new exhibit as they have gotten snow leopards. And they've had the, the snow leopards there for a bit now. And um, as a matter of fact, uh, our good friend Danny is working on training with the snow leopards, even though they're not birds. So that's really exciting. Um, I am actually really bummed on my little New England trip that I took that I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. I just did not have time to swing by Southwick's. I really thought I was going to get to see the snow leopards there. And I didn't this time, which probably means I just need to take another trip up to New England because snow leopards are awesome. So yay that. Syracuse Zoo has announced that they are going to have koalas this summer. Kumiri and Colet are going to be headed to the new koala outpost area, which is their temporary residence at Rosamond Gifford Zoo, which is the name of the zoo in Syracuse, even though they like literally they're at Syracuse Zoo and everyone calls them that. But anyway, um, uh, yeah, they're going to be there and um, they do need time to acclimate. So you can't go see them right now. There will be quarantine and getting used to the exhibit and all that stuff. But they're going to be there just for the summer, just as a chance for people uh, who go to the zoo to see koalas, something you usually don't get to see in Syracuse. The Bronx Zoo has also announced a new exhibit and it is called aliens among us they finally did it y'all they captured aliens and they're gonna have them on display at the bro oh no sorry i should read beyond the headline uh it is called aliens among us and it's actually a um an exhibit all about chameleons i really love chameleons and if you don't know about some of the rarer cooler species you need to get to the bronx zoo once this exhibit opens because like most people go to pet stores and know about veiled chameleons or they know they're the ones that have like the triceratops horns and that's about as far as it goes but there are much larger chameleons there are really really tiny chameleons which is why i raised my voice um there's just there there there's an amazing uh diversity w within the chameleon world and i cannot wait for the bronx zoo to show it off also they're they're totally aliens that them and octopodes total aliens SeaWorld orlando has recently welcomed two great hammerhead sharks that had been living at the Georgia Aquarium. Now, this means that SeaWorld, along with Georgia and Adventure Aquarium in Camden, New Jersey, a good friend of the podcast, um, is now the third facility in uh, the U.S. to house great hammerheads. So that's really exciting. It's really cool seeing uh, this species start to get into more places. When I first really got into zoos and started to understand these things more and started the podcast and everything, Anchor at Adventure Aquarium was the only great hammerhead in captivity in the U.S. And then we did Georgia, and now we're doing SeaWorld Orlando, and things are looking good for great hammerheads. And then when it comes to new exhibits, I saved the best for last. The Louisville Zoo 
has announced that they have a new red panda at the zoo, Sundara. They have not had red pandas at the zoo for a very very long time. And this is really exciting. Sundara is uh, there from the Kansas City Zoo on an SSP move. And uh, it's just, it's really important that more zoos take on red pandas because, you know, they are an important species. They are a beloved species. And I like to see them at every zoo I go to. So just, you know, on a personal level, this is important to me. Uh, Louisville is actually um, a really great zoo. I, I haven't talked to anyone there about the podcast yet. But before I was doing the podcast, I spent a couple months out uh, in that area playing uh, a show out there at Derby Dinner Theater, and um, shockingly, it was Million Dollar Quartet. And I went to the Louisville Zoo regularly, and uh, I had a wonderful time. So uh, I highly recommend that if you're anywhere near the area, you go check out Sundara and all of the other animals there. But again, mostly, mostly the Red Panda. And speaking of red pandas, the St. Louis Zoo has teamed up uh, with a local brewing company to create the St. Louis Zoo Beer Red Panda Light Lager. Uh, For every case of the beer sold, Urban Chestnut, which is the name of the the brewer, will donate $3 to the St. Louis Zoo to support their conservation work. So that's a great opportunity to support the zoo, get a cool can with a red panda on it, and uh, also get schwasty if that's your thing. So that's exciting. And hey, let's say that you're not an adult or not into drinking, right? Well, the St. Louis Zoo has something for you as well, as they have announced that they will be opening the Henry A. Jubal Foundation Destination Discovery, a new experience for children and families in 2026. This is actually really exciting to me because before they closed it for renovations, the children's zoo area at the St. Louis Zoo was not only one of my favorite places at that zoo, but honestly, one of the best places I had ever been. They used to have, now they will have different species, I will say that, but they used to have Tasmanian devils and tree kangaroos and fennec foxes all like right there. It was it was honestly astonishing. The new exhibit is going to have a Patagonian Mara, which are amazing, uh, Kuwati, Java finches, baby doll sheep, the Tazis will still be there, Chilean flamingos, black-tailed prairie dogs, and North American river otters and more. So uh, it looks like it's going to be a really cool place. They've been working on this for a couple of years now. And I think that uh, the St. Louis Zoo's children's area was always really popular at the zoo. So I think it's important that it's coming back in a new and improved way. Very cool. The Maryland Zoo in Baltimore recently announced that they have sent 82 pounds of small electronics off for proper recycling. Uh, This is really important because reclaiming materials from electronics lessens the demand for mineral mining, uh, which prevents wildlife's uh, habitat from being destroyed. So that's important and good. Uh, Maryland Zoo is one of many zoos that has started doing things where they have drop boxes where you can just go take your old electronics and drop them there and they will get recycled and you'll be helping to save wildlife. Uh, at the Maryland Zoo, there are two of these boxes, one at the main gate and one in Chimp Forest. And yeah, 82 pounds from just their last shipment alone. That's incredible. Nice work, Maryland Zoo. Oh, and I'll see you soon. 
And last but not least in Zoo News, just kind of a cool story that I like out of Cincinnati. Uh, the um, the zoo recently announced that uh, – well, heck, I'm just going to read this because it's interesting. In bonobo society, females are in charge. Zanga has been the matriarch at Cincinnati for quite some time with a very laid-back leadership style. On her own accord, Zanga decided a leadership role was not for her and stopped demonstrating matriarch behaviors. This left no clear leader for a little bit, but after some time, other bonobos began treating Kisi as the matriarch. Kisi is the mother to the youngest bonobo, Amali. And over the past few weeks in particular, Kisi seems to be more aware of her new status and showing matriarchal behaviors. Uh, the zoo says they're excited for the development and are curious to see how Kisi grows in her new role. And I just think that's so incredible that, I mean, here's a great example of bonobos showing the same behavior they were showing in the wild. And also the hands-on and hands-off approach that zoos can take in these situations. They're obviously not doing anything to interfere, but also... So the staff knows these animals. They know what's going on. They're very aware of what is happening. And as such, they're watching it. They're studying it. They're able to share about it. Uh, it's really cool. And what a great way to learn about bonobo society. It's very cool. Also, I wish we all lived in a matriarchal society because let's face it, I am one, but guys kind of suck. Okay. And that brings us to Stereotypical Animal Podcast theme song. Conservation news. Some sad news out of India, where it seems that the cheetah reintroduction program that was spearheaded by CCF uh, is not going as well as hoped, though not because of any reasons we were all worried about. Uh, a female cheetah named Daksha has died in a national park in India after breeding injuries. Um, so, yeah, it's not uncommon when cheetahs breed in the wild for it to get very violent, very, very violent. And sometimes it does lead to death. And despite the fact that vets were tracking this cheetah and were able to try to race to her aid to, uh, you know, heal her up, the wounds were too great and she passed away. Um, so since this reintroduction program that uh, started earlier this year, three of the cheetahs have now died, um, all just from unfortunate circumstances. So that was a big concern with this program uh, that that maybe, you know, India not having cheetahs, there would be some growing pains. Um, it's been 70 years since the last cheetah was in India. And uh, unfortunately, there are some growing pains. I by no means think that this program should stop or is problematic uh, necessarily. I think we need more data. But uh, that's a real shame. And I feel bad for everyone at CCF and all of their partners who were involved in prepping these cheetahs and sending them off to India only to see these things happen. But at least it's kind of natural causes that are killing the cheetahs that are in India, unlike in Pennsylvania, where a dude shot a bald eagle to death and there were a bunch of witnesses and he was forced to turn himself into the game commission. Um, he just shot a bald eagle. He hunted a bald eagle. Uh, not much more of the story to say other than that, but um yeah, I just uh, sometimes I just like to drop stories to remind everyone that people suck. And, uh, you know, we have we have a problem in this country with certain things. And uh, this is a pretty good exhibit of one of those. But 
We'll move on other than to say that, um, yeah, at least the dude uh, turned himself in and will be prosecuted. Platypuses have officially been reintroduced into Royal National Park uh, south of Sydney in New South Wales in Australia. The animals have not been found in the park since the 1970s, but this is the start of a reintroduction program. These first four platypuses are all female because uh, the males are wildly rambunctious compared to females, and uh, they wanted to give the females, but also the park, a chance to um, get acclimated to this situation before then throwing a bunch of male platypuses in. But once they do that, there is hope for breeding, and uh, hopefully we'll start to see the population of platypuses grow in this park where they lived until the 70s when a chemical spill wiped out the entire population. Papua New Guinea has officially declared its first ever World Day with the National Executive Council's recent approval of the declaration of World Tree Kangaroo Day on May 21st, 2023. Papua New Guinea is hoping to use this opportunity to promote the welfare of tree kangaroos, one of the native species on the island that I'm massively in love with, but you know that. And uh, it's just cool to see that this is the first time that their government has ever done something like this, but they're stepping it up to help protect tree kangaroos. So yay, Papua New Guinea, yay, tree kangaroos. And this story just kind of makes me happy. A river otter has been spotted in the Detroit River in Detroit for the first time in 100 years. That's really, really exciting. There have been a few other anecdotal uh, sightings of the river otter in recent times. However, this one was actually captured uh, by a uh, biology student's uh, phone camera. And as such, we now know that there is at least one river otter in the Detroit River. This could mean a lot of things. Uh, it could mean that it just got lost. It could have been a illegally purchased pet that was released or something like that. But it could also mean that conservation efforts around the river are working and that animals are starting to come back. So uh, fingers crossed that this story is good news and, and not sad, dumb humans release pet news. Um, but yeah, so there's, there's cause for optimism with the Detroit River. That's so cool. So in the wild, citizens tend to live in large groups and communicate with each other and all that good stuff. We love our parrots, our macaws, all these awesome birds. And um, unfortunately, a lot of these birds are housed as uh, pets and live alone, which can be okay if they're given enrichment and live with a family that is basically their family and, and all that stuff. But lots of times, you know, humans have to leave for work and everything. And parrots getting lonely and uh, bored and even showing behavioral issues because of it, uh, can be a real problem with, with pet parrots. So um, a study was recently done that allowed parrots to start video calling each other. They, they would use a video calling app that was timed out, um, you know, for a limited amount of time. And at first, it was just that the owners would set up the video calls and uh, the parrots would interact. And the parrots seemed to really like it. So then they took the study further and gave the parrots devices, allowing them to choose when to and who to call. 
It turns out the parrots really enjoyed video calling each other. They would regularly stay on the call until the time limit ran out, and they even started learning new skills from their virtual companions, including flying, foraging, and how to make new sounds. The birds also developed very strong relationships, frequently getting besties who they would call regularly. It was actually kind of similar to what we all do. It's it's really, really cool. Um, it also seems to have happened that sometimes the parrots would form attachments to the human caretakers on the other end of the call as well. So it's, it's really, really cool that uh, this study happened and that there's now a way for pet parrots and just kind of lonely only parrots to have more interaction with other birds and, and learn and, and be uh, enriched that way. Very, very cool story. And last but not least in other news this week, um, well, let's just say that parts of Monty Python's Holy Grail have come true. Okay, not quite, but Kind of, because in a town known as Perry, which is right outside of Des Moines, Iowa, uh, people were living in fear of a black bunny that was patrolling their neighborhood and attacking people. Uh, There's video of the bunny. Uh, jumping up and trying to bite people, jumping up and actually biting people. Uh, At one point, uh, the bunny was seen hopping up to a car door of an individual and acting so aggressively that the person was afraid to get out of its car uh, because of a bunny. But I mean, the person was right. The bunny was leaping and attacking people. When the person finally got out of the car safely, the bunny chased it all the way into the house where the person was able to slam the door. Police were eventually able to uh, find the rabbit and take it to a wastewater treatment plant area and release it, and no one has seen it since. But yeah, there was actually a bunny terrorizing humans. I, I just can't. Animal, animal, animal holidays. Animal, animal, animal holidays. All right. It is still May, and that means it is National Lake Cleanup Month, National Duckling Month, and No Mow May. Now, when this podcast drops, it is May 19th, which is Endangered Species Day, which is a very important day as we like those things. The 20th is National Rescue Dog Day, World Bee Day, and National River Cleanup Day. It also launches Safe Boating Week, which runs from the 20th to the 26th. May 21st is Tree Kangaroo Day, now World Tree Kangaroo Day, thanks to Papua New Guinea, and also launches Bear Awareness Week. The 22nd is International Day for Biological Diversity, and the 23rd is World Turtle Day. I like that World Turtle Day and World Tree Kangaroo Day are so close to each other, because I like tree kangaroos and turtles, and those are your animal holidays for the week.
All right. So there you have it, folks. Uh, Rasafari Zoo News is done for the week. Um, I would like to say thank you to all of my patrons, especially Lara Shank, Kristen Dickey, and Stephen Williamson, my Red Panda-level patrons. And I'd also like to say thank you to everyone who helped contribute to this week's episode. Anya Keen, Colleen Lenahan, Kim Cooley, Carrie Kirkpatrick, Kevin Williams, Kristen Khalil, Emily Rockbuck, Jacob Zinn, Lara Shank, and Ren Howell. And remember, friends, the words Newsy Credits Backwards are Steiderk Yeswen. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Rossi. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.